Thank you for tuning in to the Far Better Podcast, a work of Scattered Abroad, which is overseen by the East Hill Church of Christ in Pulaski, Tennessee. You can find our website at scatteredabroad.org. In this podcast, we seek to please God now, so our eternity is far better. Here is your host, Michael Clark. Welcome back to another episode of the Far Better Podcast on the Scattered Abroad Network. I'm glad that you've taken some time to sit with me or jog with me or whatever it is that you're doing right now as we talk about the Bible. Today's episode is on the early church being caring and us looking at examples of caring people as we go throughout the scriptures. I want you to think about that idea of hospitality for a moment, because really that's what we mean when we talk about caring. It's an idea of being hospitable to somebody. And hospitality is typically defined as the friendly and generous reception and entertainment of guests, visitors, or strangers. And therefore, we look at the first century church and find that they were commanded to be hospitable. For example, in 1 Peter 4 and verse 9, we're told that they're to be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Now, stop for a moment and think about grumbling with me, if you will. Is grumbling something that happens in everyday life? I think it's safe and fair to say that I've grumbled and complained about things on a pretty regular basis. Perhaps the the trash needs to be taken out that night, and I've forgotten about it, and I wake up the next morning and realize, oh no, I hear the garbage cans coming, and therefore i got to run the can down to the street. Maybe we've all been there. But being hospitable to one another without grumbling conveys this mindset that I am to be hospitable to those inside of the Lord's body without complaint. That means even the people that I don't get along with. Even the people that don't like me, that can't stand me, that's hard. But you see, we're told in another passage in Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 13, to let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to that what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Verse 13 says, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Christians are commanded to be hospitable, commanded to be considering the needs of those around us and looking out at what we can do to help each other. There's another group of people in the Lord's church that are commanded to be hospitable. That's the elders. We talked last week about congregational plans, if you will, to try to help people that are going through difficulties, whether it's a specific difficulty or just a vast variety of difficulties. I think it's safe to say that perhaps there are a lot of elderships that could do a little bit of a better job at trying to come up with plans to help out their members that are struggling. In 1 Timothy 3, 2, we're told that a bishop must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, and able to teach. Titus 1, 7-9 says, For a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, 
but hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able, by sound doctrine, both to exhort and convict those who contradict. We think about hospitality from this perspective then. It has to start at the top. Can we say that the the Savior that we follow was hospitable? Well, we know that Jesus went around healing the sick and taking care of those that had need. Do we know then that the elders that are directly underneath and they report to God, so to speak, do we know that they're commanded to be hospitable? Again, the answer is yes. What about us? Individual Christians, that includes the deacons, the ministers, the members. All of us being hospitable to each other. What happens if the church stops not really looking at the problems of those people that are in the world or not really considering what needs to be done? What happens if we're active in hospitality? The church grows. You may be saying, how in the world is that possible? How can you say that when we're active in hospitality, just by that, the church grows? Don't we have to go and preach the gospel? Don't we have to go and promote Jesus to people? And indeed, we do. We have to do that. But there is something incredibly important about the first century church. And that's after Peter and the apostles have finished their great sermon on how these individuals had killed Jesus and they were pricked in the heart and they asked what they needed to do and they're told, you repent, you be baptized. In verse 42, the Bible says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believe, verse 44, were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all, as anyone had need. So continuing daily, with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Acts 2.47 says, Praising God and having favor with all the people, And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Think of the words that are being used. Continuing and daily with one accord. There's teaching involved there. The apostles' doctrine. All that believed were together. They fellowshiped. They praised God. They worshiped. They had favor with all the people. They were helping their case to those that were without. What did people truly know about Christianity before the day of Pentecost? Not much, right? I mean, mean, you think about it. Those that had been involved in the Bible times, and as far as the Bible can be involved in in that period of time, those that knew the message that a Messiah was coming and he was going to establish a kingdom, according to Daniel chapter 2, they knew what they needed to do. But weren't there people that had no idea who the Savior was? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And therefore, we can know with certainty. We can know with certainty. We have to be ready to always be on the clock, so to speak. That's what the first century church did. There was never a moment where you would catch them off guard in these these few verses here. If someone had a need, that need was met. Now, do you want the church to grow today? And I think the obvious answer is yes. Well, if we want the church to grow, we need to show compassion to one another that are already in the church. It's not a hard concept. Because what what does someone think if they come here to your assembly to where they believe God is supposed to be present and they see us distanced from each other? Not as we've heard over the last year and a half at the time that this is being recorded of social distancing to try to stop the spread. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what if they see a distance spiritually that we don't get along, that we don't like each other. And if we can't stand each other, why would anybody want to come and be a part of our congregation? What if that's what they said? Well, y'all don't seem to like each other. Why would I want to be a part of this? Could you blame them? Could you really say that they were in the wrong? We have a responsibility to care for each member in the church because that's what the first century Christians did. Number three in our study is this. We talked about supposing we were supposed to care for everyone last week. Talked about the early church today. That's number two. Number three is examples that we can look at of people who cared for others. You know, the word minister doesn't mean preacher when you define it as a verb. The word minister, when defined as a verb, literally means to attend to the needs of someone. And therefore, when Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 6, you will be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, Do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. That word ministry there means perform a service. I am expected to serve, but not because I'm a preacher, not because I'm on the scattered abroad network, not because I'm involved in doing anything that I do in life. I'm expected to serve because on May 8th, 2005, I became a Christian. That's the date that I became a Christian. And from that point forward, I was expected and am expected to serve, to be hospitable. How can I encourage myself in doing this? Because I'm no different than anyone else. I have moments where I'm not as hospitable as I could be. Well, I need to look at some examples, right? Think about Onesiphorus for a minute. In 2 Timothy 1.16, the Bible says, The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he arrived in Rome, 2 Timothy 1.17, he sought me out very zealously and found me. Verse 18 says, The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. If I were to ask you who's your favorite Bible character, would he even make the top 10? Top 20? 
Maybe you're one of those people that he would, and that's great. But Onesiphorus is someone that we ought to be more like. The next person is probably one that doesn't make the list for a lot of us either, Epaphroditus. Philippians 2.25 says, Yet I considered it necessary to send you to Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. Verse 29 says, Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness. And this last part is important. Hold such men in esteem. Hold such men in esteem. That tells me that the way that Onesiphorus and Epaphroditus carried themselves was a way that we needed to esteem men and women that treat the same mindset to their own lives. And Paul's also somebody that we talk about in Acts 20 and verse 34. Paul says, yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who were with me. Verse 35 says, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And in Matthew 14, 14 through 16, Jesus saw this great multitude. He's moved with compassion for them and he healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. You ever wondered why Jesus told his disciples to give them something to eat? Was Jesus incapable of putting out food for them? No, but instead he tells his disciples, you need to find them something to eat. Those of us that remember this story know who does the actual feeding, but Jesus informed the disciples that they should see an importance in feeding these people. What are the facts? What do we know? Is Jesus going to be around forever? Not on the earth. And he's trying to get his disciples to see this mindset that he's putting forth that you can't always come to me but the people will come to you, and you need to be considering their needs. And verse 20 of Matthew 14 says, They all ate, were filled, they took up twelve baskets full of the fragments that remained. That word filled is a word that means to satisfy the desire of anyone. The lesson that we usually teach with Jesus and his hospitality there is that he performed this great miracle for the multitude. And I I agree with that. Don't get me wrong. But sometimes we neglect to look at the whole context of the passage that we're studying to pull one lesson out. And I believe there's a second lesson here. A great lesson can also be found in Jesus teaching his disciples to satisfy the desires of those that were followers of Christ. Not just by healing them from sickness. That's going to become obsolete when the day of miracles is over. But to help them in all walks of life. And so today, who is a follower except a Christian? These, from time to time, are going to have needs. They'll struggle. They'll get sick. And we don't need it to be said of the church or of anybody that there's a problem with our hospitality toward one another. 
Galatians 6.10 says, As we have opportunity, we must do good to all men, but especially to those of the house of faith. And I know, and you know, the serious significance of following that command. I want to thank you for being with us on the Far Better Podcast today where we seek to please God now so that our eternity can be far better. Don't forget, you can leave us a rating or review, and we would greatly appreciate that. But until next week, I want you to seek somebody out. Maybe it's somebody that needs help. Try to find them. It might be simple. You might need to get help yourself to to make sure that they're taken care of, but I don't want to be there on the Day of Judgment and be told by God, you didn't do it to them, and it's as if you didn't do it to me. Don't forget to please God now so that our eternity can be far better. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Scattered Abroad Network. If you would like to email us, you can do so at thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. That's thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. Remember, you can check the show notes below for all of our social media platform links. Also, don't forget that you can find us on all major podcast platforms, and please leave us a rating or review. We hope and pray that this has helped you grow closer to Christ, even though we are scattered abroad. May God bless you.